0: Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line Uh, joining us now. You're going to hear him on the call on the Pac-12 network for Utah and Weber State. He's Roxy Bernstein with us here on the big show. Roxy, thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you? Good, guys. Pleasure to be with you again. What's going on? Hey, we're just excited about college football, Roxy. It's tomorrow. (laughs) Can you believe it?
1: It's about darn time right i mean we've waited so long to be back in a stadium with fans it should be electric at rice eccles tomorrow night and i'm so excited to get back in a booth with a football game and crowd and some semblance of normalcy finally in a college football season
2: what do you like best about college football i mean just from an emotional standpoint roxy
1: I, I just, you know, I take the pageantry of it all, to be honest with you. it's The traditions, um, the school spirit, the energy you get. Maybe it's the students that set the tone for that. But I, I love football, period. We all love watching the NFL. We love watching the college game. But the difference for me is I just love the energy from the students. And that really, I, I think that feeds off the, the entire stadium, to be honest with you.
0: Well, Roxy, if you've, as you've done your pregame prep and uh, and uh, gotten into the Utes in this year's version, what's jumped out at you?
1: Well, I, it's uh, the, the Utah team that can definitely win the South. And I look at the Pac-12 South and I see, look, I think they're really good. I think Arizona State, even though there's some issues going on with the Sun Devils off the field, um, USC certainly is very talented also. But I, I put Utah right with them. Um, I like Charlie Brewer, quarterback, as he edged out Cam Rising for the starting job. I think they have depth. I think they've got talent. And the only thing that's left for Kyle Whittingham in Utah is is for them to win the Pac-12 championship game. And as building the foundation for the Utah program since moving to the Pac-12, that's what I think the goal is for this team, and and they're not they're not going to be shy about talking about it, and that is what is driving this team, and why a lot of these seniors, the super seniors, came back for one more go run to try to get a chance to do that.
2: You mentioned Charlie Brewer, Roxy. Uh, if you were going to rank, or or, or uh, yeah, I guess rank uh, the quarterbacks in the Pac-12, uh,
1: who are your top two or three? Well, the top two or three are the returning guys. And Keaton Slovis, who the NFL people are so high on, and we can see why Jaden Daniels at Arizona State has to be right there in the conversation. But then, okay, you have DTR, at UCLA. Look, the Bruins looked great against Hawaii in Week 0 last week, but I I didn't think the DTR looked all that great, to be honest with you. Um, But he was certainly uh, strong in the running game. He's one of the returning starters. Chase Garbers at Cal's, another returning starter. But right now, it's funny because you also look at, for example, Oregon State with Sam Neuer, who transferred from Colorado. He was a second-team All-Pac-12 guy last year. And so he's now at Oregon State, so it's interesting that he made that move. But I I think behind Flovis and Daniels, that spot at number three, I think it's wide open for somebody to try to make a name for themselves and run with it and try to push those top two guys.
0: You know, as uh, I was down at Pac-12 Media Day and interviewing the coaches, and I get it that everybody is, is in a really good mood at that thing and nobody's lost a game yet, you know, <laughs> and all those cliches. But it, it felt to exactly. me like the coaches, most of them anyway, were pretty confident in their programs taking a step forward. And it felt to me like
1: the league was going to be better this year. Did you come away with the same feeling? I did. And another reason why I think the league is going to be so good is because of all the returning players and the returning starters. Now, everybody across the country has probably more than they normally would have, but it just seems like the percentage is a lot higher across the board in the Pac-12. For example, with UCLA having 20 starters back. Um, so I, I think that's partly why the league is in a good position, because so many key returning players are back. And we're going to find out real quick, right? If the Pac-12 can back that talk up because the schedule is very challenging the first three weeks and they need to win some of these non-conference games it's not just okay Oregon winning next week at Ohio State or Michigan yeah Washington going to the big house and beating Michigan and certainly a huge game tomorrow is is UCLA taking on LSU at the Rose Bowl but those other key non-conference games Stanford against Kansas State at Jerry World tomorrow for example um these are games the Pac twelve needs to win. Even Oregon State going to Purdue. We have to see the Pac twelve perform well in these big non conference matchups.
2: So, Roxy, I gotta ask you a question that Jake and I were talking about yesterday, and I I just can't figure it out. I know the cliche answers, but we were mm-hmm. we were we were discussing why is it that some of the schools in the Pac twelve don't generate the same passion for football that some areas do. Now, we, we've we heard that you know, there's so many other things to do along the West Coast, all this other stuff, but what is the real reason
1: for that? Uh, it's a combination of things, and I think it depends on the area, to be honest with you. Right, for example, I live in the Bay Area, which is a heavy pro market, even though the Raiders just left and moved to, to Vegas, but it's still a 49ers, Giants, Warriors town. And even with the success that Stanford has had recently and Cal's had some, when Jeff Tedford was there and Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback at Cal. Um, It just isn't for whatever reason, there isn't that same fervor that you get in other areas. Now, Salt Lake city is one of them. I really believe that it is a college town. They really get behind the youths. I think Oregon in Eugene is another Um, Washington has always had the crowd support in Seattle and they've always been a huge Husky town, but in some of the other areas, it's, what what have you done for me lately and if the if the team is good they'll show up and UCLA for example it was not a great crowd performance at the Rose Bowl last Saturday I'm assuming it's going to be better with LSU tomorrow but it it just seems like if you're winning games they'll show up especially in towns like the Bay Area and LA and now that the Rams are are in LA and the Chargers moved up it's a little bit tougher for USC to draw and USC hasn't had the same type of success the last couple of years that they did, you know, when Pete Carroll was there and, and they were winning national championships.
0: Roxy, uh, uh, Coach Edwards at Pac-12 Media Day was pretty firm on his stance that he was not going to let the current, I guess, investigation and all that distract from this team's potential.
1: Do you think that's possible? Well, if anybody could do it, it's Term Edwards, right? Because the Herm-isms, if you will, some – diversionary tactics that he might be able to use, they're going to have to deal with the questions. The cloud is not going to go away. So the questions are still going to keep coming at Arizona State. It's just how do they manage that? And I think Herm can juggle it as well as anybody can. Now, you can't necessarily run from it either because you know these questions are not going to let up. And when more information comes out, or if there is more information, well, it's going to become a hot topic again. And with Arizona State, I think it's going to be a real challenge to try to block out the negativity in terms of the questions from the outside if stuff did take place. And for the team to be able to compartmentalize it, I think that's going to be interesting to see. But they do have some veteran players and some leaders in that team. And they're going to do their best to try to ignore it and just leave the questions up to Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce and the rest of the staff.
2: What kind of reputation, Roxy, does Utah football have? You were talking about the Utes a little bit there. But uh,
1: around the league, how how are they viewed? They're very well respected. And, look, the success that Kyle had. And the the thing that's interesting to me was when they made the move to the Pac-12 and they moved in from the Mountain West. And how long would it take to really assimilate a Pac-12 program? It didn't take them very long. And they had some success early, then dipped a little bit. But it's steadily been progressing. They finally broke through the barrier, won the Pac-12 South. And all it's left now to accomplish in its league for Kyle and Utah football is to win the Pac-12 championship game. But I think the consistency that they've shown over the years, they can recruit, not only locally, but they're recruiting on a national level. You look at the roster. They get guys from Florida, guys from Texas coming in. They're able to pull them from all areas. They go west to California. They drive down to Arizona and get people to come in. So I think that's the other interesting thing, dynamic, is their ability to recruit, not just locally, but have been able to branch out and get some key players from other areas.
0: How much pressure is on both coaches in the L.A. area with Coach Helton and, of course, Chip there at UCLA?
1: I think, I think they're feeling a little bit, guys. You know, I think considering that, UCLA finally won that first non-conference game under Chip Kelly. And he was 0-6 going into the game against the Rainbow Warriors and Todd Graham on Saturday. Got that win, so he was able to check that box off that he was able to finally win a non-conference game. But for UCLA, I I think there is some pressure for Chip considering uh, he is a new athletic director who did not hire him, Martin Jarman. And Chip's got to be able to produce. And... I think they've gotten better, but the problem is the schedule's been so difficult for them over the years, and this year's no exception. Now, they could be a better football team, but it may not result in wins for them. They're hoping it does, but Chip's got to start delivering, especially with the salary he's commanding <laughs> coaching at UCLA. And Look, regardless of the success that you're having at USC, you're always going to be under the microscope because it's USC. And Clay Helton has been dealing with this since day one. Pete Carroll had to deal with it. Look, Pete Carroll was I don't want to say vilified, but Pete Carroll's clearly wasn't the favorite choice when he was hired at USC. And I think that turned out okay. But for Clay Helton and the Trojans, this is another a pivotal year, just like it is cross town for Chip, that they've got to win. And even just winning the Pac-12 South may not be good enough for USC fans. And we'll see how this plays out for SC. But They've got some issues right now. Wide receiver, they're thin, which is critical to the style of offense they play. And a lot's expected of USC, but it is year in, year out. So I don't think, as far as Clay Helton goes, there's any more pressure than uh, any other year. But it seems like the voices outside the program are getting a little bit louder.
2: Roxy, your early impressions
1: of George Klyovkov? So far, he's making every right decision. I've been impressed from the moment he was announced in that opening press conference when he had uh, a long list of things that he was going over and he was prepared and ready. And and the thing that I really appreciate about him is his ability to listen. He doesn't come in here and expect everybody to think he knows it all. And he's not trying to convince you that he's all-knowing. He's listening. He's going on campus tours. He's hearing from the schools what they're looking for and what they want. Um, And striking quick and and digging up that alliance with the ACC and the Big Ten. It just appears right now he is making all the right moves that the conference needs. And it's clearly been a breath of fresh air for the conference to get a change and a new voice and also a new vision for the Pac-12.
0: Uh, real quick before we let you go, Roxy, we understand uh, you've, you're uh, up there, I believe, at Weber State right now going through a walkthrough. Give us your take on the Wildcats real quick.
1: It's interesting that, you know, here is you know, Weber State and the teams that were the FCS. They just got done with the season like a few months yeah. ago. And here they are turning around, and they're starting another campaign. So you would think that there will be a, a good flow and they'll be in a good, better rhythm early. It may take Utah a little bit to find it tomorrow, but – this is Jay Hill has done a phenomenal job with this program, turned him into a big sky championship contender every season, getting him in the FCS playoffs. And he's really built this program up. It is certainly a fun team to watch. I've had him a couple times over the years. Um, and I think tomorrow it's going to be fun in a, in a lot of ways, just because of the familiarity that both sides have and, and the relationship the coaches have with one another. But this, this is, what, four straight Big Sky titles for Weber State, and they're going to be gunning for another one. And it really is great to see this program, how Jay Hill's built it up from where he inherited it from.
2: So, Roxy, I'm going to ask you to pick between your children on this question. <laughs> but but when, you travel, when you travel around the Pac-12, which game day atmosphere do you rank at the top?
1: at the top i'm probably seeing the top two on this trip how's that because i'm in salt lake city for the game tomorrow night and then next uh i have on saturday so i'm going straight from here lincoln kennedy and i have oregon on saturday those are probably right now the two top environments for college football in the pac-12 over the years uw has had some great environments but it appears right now that Oregon and Utah have the top two environments in the Pac-12 as far as the game day experience.
2: And you're not just saying that because that's where you are right now.
1: Know your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. Smart man.
0: Uh, Well, Roxy, hey, thank you very much as always for dropping by the show. We'll be uh, tuning in tomorrow. Have a good call.
1: You got it. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank
0: you. Roxy Bernstein of the Pac-12 Networks. And, again, he's going to be on the call for tomorrow night's uh, Weber
2: State-Utah game. Roxy's uh, Roxy's great. Do you agree with him, what he said there? I mean, Oregon, you, you and I have both covered games at Oregon. Uh, and, obviously, you've spent some time at Rice-Eccles. Uh, what do you think? I've seen a game in
0: Washington It's pretty good up there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oregon and Utah, I think, would be the top. That seems like a pretty obvious answer to me. Watson is, you, you know, Watson's not that big. I know. Uh, yeah. Watson is similar to, to Rice Eccles in that way, where they are they are the hot ticket, every seat's feel, filled, and it's it's very loud.
2: They could close the press box when, when it's cold out. Of
0: course you would bring that up. <laughs> I remember this, the last game you and I covered there, or maybe at least <laughs> the last game I covered there, I told you before we went, I said, remember, the press box is open, bring a sweatshirt. <laughs> I knew that. But yet you didn't bring one. Mm. He's a good boy, but they don't listen. And then the, the, the column the next day was, it was a brisk night in... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shut the- tundra. Shut the freaking windows. You know? We all, you know? We got icicles forming on it.
1: All right. When it gets cold, these ducks don't fly south. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the ducks themselves, their teeth were chattering, too, and... And ducks don't have teeth. I don't think. I mean,
0: you you would throw USC and UCLA into that conversation if they didn't have stadiums that were just impossible. I've seen I've a, seen impossible. I've to, seen
2: UCLA games where you know the tailgating going on out on the golf course and whatnot is is pretty cool. But well, I have a soft spot for the Rose Bowl. Uh, did I ever tell you about Tommy Chip golf ball? You did. You know what I
0: always thought was unique about uh, Autzen Stadium up there in Eugene is they had that most stadiums you can't re-enter, right? Can't leave and then come back. There wasn't that rule at Autzen, so the whole stadium would go to the parking lot (laughs) during halftime and do Lord knows what, and then come back in.
2: Oh man, yeah. I've been up to Autzen maybe three or four times and uh, enjoyed it. Each time it's a cool environment. It is, it but it's is. not like you said. It's not huge. It's not, it's
0: but it's loud and it's passionate. And on that, uh, the one game where I was up there where, uh, where Utah just absolutely took it to them. It was weird that, that, that facility was so eerily quiet.
2: See at that time, Oregon That's fans right. just weren't used to seeing their team get kicked around. no.
0: And I'll never forget. I had to drive back to Portland that night, and I, so I tuned into the local post-game show <laughs> to hear what the callers were saying. And it was, it was unbelievable radio all the way back to Portland because people were grumpy. That was the beginning of the end for Mark Helfrich. Yeah, it probably was. He yeah. coached the next year, but then was out. Remember, he was in the playoff. That's right. Did I just go, Jim Moore? It was that playoff.
2: And play-off. When, when we were at and we were looking out over at the football uh facility. Thank you Uncle Phil. Pretty nice.
0: It is very nice. Everything up there is nice. They have advantages which they're going to parlay even more <laughs> now under new rules.
2: <laughs> you think uh, the entire Duck football team will be Nike employees?
0: Yeah, if they're not. Playoffs. Thank you, Austin. Play off. But yeah, Mark Helfrich Didn't last long after that playoff appearance. And I I do believe that that was the beginning of the end for him because Utah just smashed him.
2: You know, Jake, you you interviewed George Klyavkov uh, when you were down there. uh, I did. At uh, Pac-12 Media Day. Your impressions – Oh, they're all positive, but you know, Lair
0: Lair Bear just leaves you scarred because he he that guy would just you got a Mr. Magoo was in there, just and a, you'd be thinking, "Oh, the future is bright." Well, and Lair was just a salesman, so you wonder if if George is saying all the right things. Like Roxy said it well. He's the dude saying all the right things. Like we asked Mark Harlan about his relationship with him. Apparently, you know, he's saying the right things to the athletic directors, and you're going, "Okay," so I. But I don't know because. <laughs> he's new. It's fresh, and yeah. he's not Larry Scott. So I don't know. I'm, I'm taking more time to, to make my evaluation. But so far, I mean, I thought he was, was very easy to talk to, very easy to interview, um, and, yeah, said all the right things. I hope he's he's communicating better than Larry did with the actual athletic departments. So I think that's very important.
2: Do you think Larry Scott sold that $2 million uh, home he had at, at, uh, that he was... Uh... Being paid for, had been paid yeah, for yeah, yeah. by the conference.
0: Or do you think he burned it down out of spite?
2: Uh, that two million dollar home probably worth four million. I don't, I don't know what the way things have gone. I don't know what happened to Larry's house. He probably sold it and, and got all the extra money out of that, thanks to the inflated prices of housing. Huh, another benefit that he reaped.
0: That, that guy's a thief. <laughs> We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.